0: Empire of the Suns.
1: Empire of the Suns.
0: Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast.
1: Empire of the Suns.
0: Welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kevin Olson joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Kevin, I consider both of us to be bold and adventurous people, but for us to podcast again today after how long of a day yesterday was, it's bold. We'll see how this goes. Uh, We often reference Friday brain and boy, is this a case of Friday brain, end of week brain where we're just mush at this point. But we got good basketball to get through and some more trade deadline stuff. What's up,
1: buddy? I think you can tell by my tweeting last night, I wasn't putting a lot of energy into great basketball thoughts during the Buck Suns game. But, um, I think I remember enough of yesterday, hopefully to be useful today. I, I did put all that energy into everything. And now it's like one
0: of those days where you're like, I need two nights of sleep, you know, like I got, I got a good night's sleep last night, which really helped of course. But, I need, like, a good solid three meals today, a good night's sleep again tonight, and then tomorrow I'll be ready for some Wendell Carter and the Orlando Magic, Kevin. Feel the fever. Just the excitement keeps building in the schedule. I joked to Dwayne when he was leaving, um, Dwayne Rankin with the Arizona Republic. I was like, isn't that crazy how we're, like, watching that court, those uniforms, and, like, the crowd, and it feels like the finals, and then it's not game two on Saturday. It's the the raging Orlando Magic, the the Franz Wagner's. (laughs) brains Wagner's magic uh great this the regular season keeps on chugging Kevin so we're gonna like I said last episode if you have not listened to last episode I recommend you do because that is where we mostly just talked about Tory Craig I hardly remember what we said to be honest but we talked a lot about Tori Craig a little bit about Aaron Holiday the sun's not making a bigger move but we wanted to wait another day to let everything process and not be so insta emergency pod uh, to give our like extended thoughts on like their deadline as a whole. So that is kind of what we're going to be doing today. And then looking league wide, like we always do for free agency and trade deadline. Cause I think, especially with the sun's prominence as the title favorites uh, in our opinions, at least over the last couple of weeks, it's good to look league wide and see what everyone else did. But we need to start with the basketball, Kevin, because I wrote this as my lead and let me know if you disagree is this the best – I'll rephrase the way I wrote it. Is this the best three-game stretch the Suns have played in a regular season so far, counting last year too? Can Does anything
1: come to mind? No, because I think I said the Philly game might be their grittiest game um, as far as a good win because the 76ers look like they figured them out and they just found ways to score. Um The Bulls, like, the Bulls have been tearing it up. Like, I haven't watched enough, but just based on what everyone else is saying, that's not a pushover team at all. And the way their two best players are playing, not a pushover team. They had great nights. And then, yeah, the Bucks come in. I'll just say that, like, last night Giannis wasn't, like, Giannis, who's lost two games in a row and is pissed off and sees that he's going to lose a chance to win an NBA championship. And, like, he's not 150% superpower, Giannis. But um, all that said, like, that was a really good win against a team that, you know, was pretty functional, had dudes healthy enough um, for most of that game. And that sort of thing. So, yeah, I I can't think of another three game stretch. I didn't go through the schedule and do that exercise. But I think when you look at how these teams are playing, how they looked, um, whether they had dudes out or not, it's a really good stretch for the Suns.
0: For sure. And something that I talk about a lot in terms of perspective that you and I can offer as people who are covering this team, something that I didn't think about much as a fan of teams in the league and also just as fans of other teams, you talk about road trips, five games in seven days, all that kind of stuff. For whatever reason, it kind of comes through a lot more when you're going through the daily proceedings of just talking to guys and let alone someone like Dwayne who travels and, and takes these flights and everything and had that flight from Philly to Phoenix. But everyone sees Wednesday and it's like, oh, yeah, they get a day off between the back to back. And it's like what? Uh, Monty said in the morning for shoot around of the Bucks game, he thought the guys were fried, that they were just toast and they didn't really have a lot of energy. And then he said the coaches were talking to each other after the game. were like, oh, yeah, like they didn't have any energy this morning. And it was funny because the shoot around, we sit in the lobby of the practice uh, facility uh, of, of this building where a lot of other things besides basketball practice occur. And we can hear like the level of noise from the court, but that's about it. We can't like decipher what people are saying or anything like that, of course, but we can tell how loud it is. And it was like, maybe the loudest I've heard it all year. So they were definitely there in terms of that energy, but like on court physically, it it wasn't there according to Monty last night. And so for them to respond to that and just like mental fortitude to just push through it in the same way where the Bucs are in a different position because they're actually on the road trip and they're on the fourth game of a West Coast road trip, but they were in a similar position, at least sort of, in terms of where they were at and how much they were willing to, to give because if we've learned anything, I know they're slightly different teams, but we know the Bucs can match the Suns' intensity because that's how they won the finals. They even out-intensified out them at certain points, Kevin. I wouldn't say outworked because the Suns never get outworked, but they match the intensity. And yeah. it was a question to me. I tweeted like five minutes before a tip-off. I was like, I'm just interested to see, will the Bucks match the intensity that I know the Suns are going to bring to this game because of how pissed off they are that they lost last year? And the question was no. like They, they, they didn't bring it. Giannis really tried to get, like, I'm going to be the MVP dominant NBA Finals Giannis in the mid-third quarter, and, he, and it didn't matter. And to me, that, that was just – the offense executing the, the way it did against a really good defense that was just a smidge off in a couple of different areas, just a step off. And they and they killed him. It was it was just a massacre on offense. And the Bucs were pretty okay defensively. It was they did what they wanted to do, Kevin. Like they got their switches and they fronted the way that they wanted to. And DeAndre just punished them. And it, the Bucks went on top of what we didn't talk about with the with the win in Philly, where they're down 14, 0 for 7 start in the second half. And it just doesn't matter to them. They're on phase on the second game of a back-to-back and they just win that game. The Chicago win where they just smoke them. I yeah, the three really good
1: teams that they emphatically handled in different ways. You know what's funny? I, I don't I know we're gonna get in the trade deadline in a sec, but the Bucks traded for a dude who like would have been useful last night and and wouldn't have been useful as the Suns ran all of their centers at Giannis at different points, and really just tried to force feed guys in the paint in um, Serge Ibaka. But I, I thought that was an interesting piece too, when you consider like, okay, the the Bucks didn't really have a big like Greg Monroe really shouldn't be playing, and that's why they made that trade. Um, but that that's going to be an interesting thing to see this through. If, but at the same time, it's like. Do the Bucs really need that? Like the Sixers have NBA, but they don't have Drummond anymore trying to run through the Eastern Conference teams. But anyway, yeah, I thought, you know, there's always something you can say about the other team's status, where they are in the season, end of road trip. uh, But that's just one thing that I guess we should point out.
0: For sure. Uh, Individually, we talked about Mikel Bridges, and I, I wrote a story about him Um, and, or or no, I I don't think we ever talked about it, but just to like quickly surmise it, I mean, Mikel is on a really good tear offensively. They're starting to use him in a couple of different ways when it's like slipping on screens, posting up smaller mismatches and such. And he's just found that aggression that we were looking for earlier in the season. And it's just going to change things for them. If he's that guy, if he's a guy who can be a reliable 15 to 18 a night as a third scorer, without even being a guy they run a ton of stuff for. But again, like if you run a couple more things for him and he proves to be aggressive enough to warrant those actions, then that that changes things for them considerably. And then DeAndre coming back from the ankle sprain was trying to get his wind back. He plays great against uh, Chicago, I believe it was, because the Atlanta game, he said he didn't sleep because he rewatched the game twice. And then he just saw like his wind was the main issue. He plays great against Chicago, pretty good against Philly, and then he was the man uh, against Milwaukee. And like those were the two; those are the two guys to me that are the X factors for them in the second half of the season, Kevin. Yeah, and, uh, that and just like not going crazy with the minutes, uh, which you know, I, I would really hope at this point going forward in the season with the intensity of like the games that they have coming up. Like this was like a really big three games for them against prime competition with an improved stuff. I get it, but that those two guys improving and then Monty just having like an understanding of where the minutes kind of, he knows where the minutes need to be. I don't want to phrase it that way, but Chris Paul, this needs to like, stop. We're, we're there now, Kevin. We talked about yeah. this a couple of weeks ago. We are there where it's like, okay, stop playing him like above 35 minutes. Like again, like just do not do it the rest of the regular season, basically, because they did not do it. I'm going to go look um well while well, i hand it off to you kevin but i believe chris has already played like more 35 plus 40 minute plus games or whatever this year than he did last year he's in the shape to do it great just there's no reason to risk it right now monty knows this guy's better than anyone he's got all this trust but we have arrived at the point kevin where we're like a dozen games into this high minute size for him McKellen and devin and it's just like okay e- easy yeah. like I, th- I think they need to stop now
1: i I was like, with eight minutes left, I think they're up twenty-two, twenty-four, maybe something like that. And I was just like, you know what? I I know that they blew it against what was it the Wizards game? Oh my gosh, my brain! Where it was like a three-point win, or was that the Bulls game? Um, anyway, where they the where where was- like the oh the Bulls game? Yeah, when when yeah, they were yeah. up fifteen, and then it was like a nine-zero run at the end by the guys who were just jogging out there, and I was like, what's going yeah. on here? I was yeah. like. Just put Hackett Alfred, live with Hackett Alfred for eight minutes. I don't care. Like, I was close to that point. I know I was exaggerating a little bit, but I was like, get, get Chris Paul off the floor. But um, I, I think you bring up a good point, though, that this stretch was important for not just Mikel, because I think it was the Philly game where he had a great game. They were more targeting him in post-ups, like, They found switches with Seth Curry on him. And they were like, yeah, just throw it to him in the post. Take middies over that dude who's a lot shorter than you. You have long arms. And what's interesting about that, I thought, was it's related to the not putting too much on Booker and Chris Paul, but also it's not changing what you do. Um, Mike Prada, to bring him back in because he's a smart basketball guy mentioned like, I'm interested to see if the Suns run any wrinkles um, because the 76ers look like they figured out like their actions and that sort of thing. And they really didn't, but they just were doing Devin Booker's stuff or Chris Paul stuff with Mikkel Bridges. And I think that's really the key here where he and even DA, obviously different position, but you trust those guys more. You trust Mikel to, okay, like we run our actions in the playoffs, we saw how much Book and CP were leaned on to target mismatches, just attack them and be aggressive with it. Well, if you add Mikel, like Mikel doesn't need to do much more or show more than his skill set is. He's proven that he can attack mismatches in the post with a couple of dribbles, take a jumper. Um, so I think that's the huge wrinkle in the last two games against Philly and the Bucs. And you look at the Bucks game now and... You see Devin Booker was kind of forcing it. That wasn't his best game maybe in a whole month, Um, you could argue, as far as offense. His defense is pretty good, Um, aside from the foul trouble, which you can argue about whether that was fair or not. But, yeah, I, I just think that when he has a rough game, when CP is just focused on getting other guys involved, do they carry that over into the playoffs? Because I think learning to trust D.A., again, against small teams last night against the Bucks, learning to trust McHale in mismatches. That's simple, not earth-shattering stuff, but it's stuff that they really didn't go to last postseason when they were in the finals. They were in the Western Conference finals. Um, it was all CP and book um, when things broke down, and I think if you gain trust, then that helps Chris and Devin Booker not wear down. That helps then find continuity with the other guys, so I guess I'm rambling now. But I, I, I'm seeing these games as important just because I don't think Devin Booker and Chris Paul had to do everything, and that's kind of the beauty and why the Suns are this good. And again, right, just... go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I'm just saying, like in the playoffs, it was less about the full team in certain aspects, which again isn't bad when you have superstars. But I think that's why the Suns need to lean on that more in the playoffs.
0: Are you ready to feel reassured that you feel like these guys are playing too many minutes and this just isn't like a little blip? Yeah. Chris Paul last year played over 35 minutes 13 times. He's at 18 of those games already this year. Devin Booker played at least 38 minutes 12 times last year. He's done it 10 times already this year. Uh, Mikkel Bridges is at eight games last year for at least 40 minutes. He's at 13 this year. Uh, it's too many comparing it to last year, at least it's too many. And maybe they were under different. I I don't want to say maybe the bench was really good last year. Yeah. The bench was really good last year, but also I assume that they were operating under different circumstances because the the thing that people need to realize is that someone might hear this and think it's Tibbs where he's playing RJ Barrett, 47 minutes, and then he gets (laughs) hurt in garbage time, you know? That's not what this is. Monty and his staff are extremely in tune with analytics and the numbers and what wears down where and where they can push guys to a certain point. Like he's mentioned, like the amount of dribbles guys take in terms of the wear down effect on guys. Like they, they are in tune with all of this stuff. So whatever they've got right now is supporting that this can happen. They are not doing this without data behind it. I, I truly do believe that. And if I am proven wrong, then I am proven wrong, but that's what I'm choosing to believe from my perspective. I will say, Kevin, um, put the data down and just stop playing as much. I just, I don't think this is a good idea. I, th- I think they need to, I think they need to cool it now. I think we've reached the point where we're like, okay, now, now you just hopefully you get sham it back and then holiday is already here. So then that gives you just more, less minutes to play there. And then Torrey Craig comes in, and I think that'll instantly stop Mikel from playing 40 minutes like ever again in a game, really, to be honest. Um, Ish is still around, too. So I really do think that they should be there. And and I'm sure the numbers are there for Jay Crowder, too, Kevin, because he's a guy that Monty was really careful with last year and has been careful with this year in terms of even letting him get north of like 32 or 33. And I would assume that he's even higher up there because Jay – Jays played the longest two seasons of anyone in NBA history Um, coming off the longest two seasons anyone has ever had shortest turnaround, all that stuff. So they need that, but yeah. Um, What do you think it to like spend one more beat on this, Kevin, do you think that it just comes down to, seeing the other team go on a run while Alfred Payton or Aaron holiday or Tory Craig is in or whatever or Ish is Wayne in and just taking a timeout, but then living with it and leaving the guys in and not reacting as if like the not reacting as if the game is online is the wrong way to put it because it is the game on the line, but living with the consequences of the bench underperforming, I guess is, is that the right way to phrase it is what they've got to do now.
1: Yeah. And I think uh, going back to the Bucks game, there were good moments where Monty was Throwing Ish right in there when maybe he didn't have to have to. Um, Just finding places to save a minute or two. Um, Or I think I'm guessing later in the season, they're hoping to go hard, lock down um, the top seed or whatever, home court, and then maybe they just pull back for like a week before the playoffs and rest up some guys in like a very serious way. So I, that's like a thing now that looks like a potential um, solution to at least be ready for the playoffs. But again, like you can't predict bad injuries that happen that you could associate with wearing down. So I, I don't know, but I think there are better ways to like save a minute here or there that um, they got to think about soon.
0: I think they need to think about it now. I, I was at soon last week or two weeks ago. I'm there now. Um, I, 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 I worry. I just – we know too much about that. James Jones himself said it on one of the Burns and Gamble interviews in the last couple of weeks that, like, there's data to support this that guys wear down over time, um, that, that extra minute loads are not helpful. So, I think I think it's a matter – and, again, like, they have the numbers. That's I'm not trying to say they're in the wrong here and they're doing it wrong, but I think it's time to um, – Time to cut cut that off, and, and the trade deadline was really helpful with doing that, Kevin, to transition into the deadline. Um, what did you think of standing pat in terms of the backcourt with Payne and Shamit? Because Eric Gordon did not get moved, which probably tells us that the price for Eric Gordon was not where the rest of the league agreed because teams would want his skill set. His salary next year is hefty we've talked about on here how that shouldn't matter for the sons because they're a luxury tax team. It's just more luxury tax money. That's all it is. Stop talking about like, they, like, Oh, they have to pay cam Johnson. It's like, yeah, they have to pay cam Johnson and they can pay other people too, because they're a luxury tax team. Now it's like, it doesn't change anything for them they're going to be a luxury tax team anyway. So it's a matter of how much they're paying on the luxury tax bill. That's it. So it, I, I just, I just saw a little bit too much of that logic being used on the timeline, which is just incorrect. Um, unless you just believe already that you're operating under the assumption that, that this team shouldn't be paying more on the luxury tax bill, which I believe is not putting standards where they need to be for a title window. Anyway, yeah. Kevin, what do you think about them? Just kind of standing pat. I get it. They're trusting their continuity continuity. Like we've talked about and what I have up on the site right now.
1: I mean, to me, it's more like, if you said, go get Aaron Gordon, Eric Gordon. Um, that's the, the salary did go further into the future than you would like. It was bigger than you would have liked. I think I'm more of the opinion that like, yeah, it is a lot more money and the tax matters because then you're, the more you add to the tax, the worse it gets. Um, So I get that, but I also think you can move players. Um, But that being said, I think the issue is more like to get that salary, you had to give up a salary and why would anyone take Dario's contract? Why would... You want to consider trading Jake Crowder, even if like he was necessary to get a deal done financially. Like those are the issues that you don't, if you're looking for continuity, you don't want to just do um, to get an Eric Gordon and then have those problems later. So, I, yeah, I'm I, I'm not really the person to say like they should have done more. Um, I think I said that in the last pod or two pods ago. But yeah, I I think that you've had enough evidence that Payne Shamit can do stuff for you. Um, if they come off injuries, maybe they look suddenly better. That always happens. And then you find out later someone had an injury they've been dealing with that you didn't know about. And like even Alfred Payton has been useful. Like he's a big he played well last night. He's defended. He's looked a lot less forceful as far as getting out of the offense. Um, So I think betting on more good players instead of one really good player is what got this team here. And that's where they're going to keep going. That's a good
0: way of putting it. Um, I I think my only counter to that and what I've been saying is like, if it came down to a first round pick for Eric Gordon and just again, like luxury tax money, that's, that's when I, I wrote this. I hope that wasn't the case Um, because I think that he could have really helped now. If that wasn't the case and they just weren't interested in Eric Gordon, then that's different because if they weren't interested in Eric Gordon, that means they were right because James Jones has been right a lot and we should trust that Uh, Aaron holiday comes in. Kevin, I have words on the site about him. Basically the lowdown that I have gathered is that he's a very pesky defender, a little bit of a pest, Kevin, Um, very small though. And like, and like Is it fair to say he's just a worse Javon Carter on defense, which sounds like a shot, but it's not because Javon's an excellent defender? He's just like a worse Javon, basically, on defense, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, he he really is hurt by his size. I think he's listed at 185, so if that's accurate... He's strong. Um, like he's got a strong build like Jabon, but he's, he's listed at six
0: feet is what I think you're trying to get at, which is, I I don't know also if that's that. true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like, he's not a big dude, so you do have to work hard. And I, I just think he's uh is what he is type. And I think this is why we had the Aaron holiday role where like good shooter um, makes good decisions and all that fits into what the Suns do. It's just a matter of, is that better than, um, the explosiveness and the tempo that campaign gives you. Is that better if you put him off the ball and can you put him off the ball and hide him on defense if he's just shooting better than Landry at some point in the season? So those are the things you talk about, but there are skill sets there where, yes, he is going to be helpful if you need him in a pinch if a guy goes down, that sort of thing. I think you're looking at
0: off the ball point of attack defender. I think you're looking at he is not the point guard on the floor, but he is taking the point guard assignment and you're actually hiding campaign or Chris Paul on someone else. That's how I envision him on this team. At least um, the numbers this year, they're, they're weird. So catch and shoot threes in Indiana, he had three straight years where they were great. They were, they were great. I think like 40% or something like that to that effect, like really good. And then in Washington, they dropped to 32%, but it was only on like 45 attempts because he hasn't really been playing a ton. And then his shooting numbers, Kevin, inside the arc, In Indiana, at the rim, at the mid-range, they're tough. They're not that good. Um, Not tough in the good way, Kevin. Like, that's a tough bucket. They're (laughs) they're rough. Um, Bad, yeah. Not good. Uh, But then in Washington, there's, like, these big bumps. Now they're on smaller numbers, but I believe it was, like, 62% at the rim, and he's at 55% from the mid-range, which includes my favorite number was the 40 for 80 from, like, floater territory. And it's like all right so like he can if he can score a little bit inside the arc and can be a reliable catch and shoot three point shooter that he was in Indiana and he's not a negative on defense like that's enough as like a two guard that's enough now the question is is he a, can he be point of it is there a way to work him into the role that I'm talking about which is point of attack defender and he's like still at like a plus on the ball for the most part that's going to be the biggest challenge for him but I think the most interesting part of this Kevin is that by bringing him in, I think, and I wrote about this at the very end of what I wrote. By bringing him in, I think that another positive of this is it allows you, if Holiday plays well, to let go of Alfred Payton and bring in Ish on it on from a two way deal to a standard deal. Because I think there's real reason to like look into Ish and say like if this is like potentially a wing that we want to keep around beyond this year. And that's the easiest way to do it. And if you have another guard now and you have five guards, I think that's enough. Five guards, five wings, five centers. Look at that. The, the index card, Kevin, it's back. <laughs> Holy smokes. Just like that. Um, so I like that. You, you looked at yesterday's trades, Kevin, the buyout market in terms of guys who we are looking at, that's not going to get bought out. Drogic might, but the Suns weren't mentioned. Like, And I don't even know if I would want anyone that's a proposed buyout guy right now over, over-ish, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean I mentioned Etwan Moore was bought out I believe, but that's I think that's why Aaron Holiday's better option there. Um, who else is there? I mean, uh, I don't I even think know. I saw
0: like Gary Harris speculated by someone, but like the, these are like the guys are making uh-huh. so much money. It's like I really I don't know if they're going to put it on the table to go try and win somewhere.
1: Yeah, I mean I thought about like I know the Suns don't have a spot, but like I was prepared to look at it. And then I was like, wait, but the whole reason they made the two trades was because those guys aren't bio guys. So there wasn't really much on the table as far as bio guys right now. And that's why like people pissed at the Lakers, like rightfully so what bio guy is going to suddenly flip that thing around. There's no one like that this year. And That hasn't really been the case in the past. There's always been at least one or two big names where they're just, you know, disgruntled kind of past their prime bets, but we don't really have that this year. We don't.
0: Uh, We certainly don't. Uh, To quickly wrap up here, because what is becoming a theme of the podcast this week, we're running out of time. Kevin's got places to be. I've got places to be. Uh, Just to quickly run over the trade deadline at the end, a quick recap. From a Suns perspective, Kevin, you're looking at like title favorites or like competition out West in playoff series. Dallas makes like the biggest move. Theoretically, they bring, they kick out Chris Porzingis for Zingas and get two players, two bad players for one bad player, basically <laughs> bring in Spencer Dinwiddie. Who's been awful in Washington, but has past precedent being a really good player. Uh, and then Davis Bertans, who was, I think pretty good. And I wrote a big deal on our site about how I thought the sun should target him. He's been abysmal for the wizards, um, but they bring those two guys in and hopefully find something. I think them just not playing with Chris Dapps is going to help them a ton. Um, so I, I think that they're a team to watch in terms of could they jump to the next tier of like being in the Utah Memphis region that's below Golden State. But to that point, Kevin, Denver, they brought in Bryn Forbes, but they didn't do nothing. Uh, Golden State, they didn't do a thing. Memphis had the Kyle Anderson expiring, all these picks. Like, are they going to move anything? No, they like their group. Makes sense. Like it's, it's, a, it's a group that likes to talk a lot of smack and gets along really well. Don't move around anything. Makes sense. Utah, Kevin, was the big one for me Ooh, because they were like yeah. the team of like, oh man, they've been doing this for like five years with these guys. Uh, there's got to be some urgency here. And it was a tax clearing move to get Nikhil Alexander Walker. They saved $11 million off their luxury tax bill, bringing Nikhil Alexander Walker, who I don't even know would like play for them in the playoffs, to be honest, because he's like, he is Jordan Clarkson, but worse, basically. Offensive scoring guard who has questionable decision making. And not much on defense like that's that's pretty much him, and he's way younger and more inexperienced. The clippers are more of like a next year thing with Powell and Covington. We'll see if they like make make it up in time, and Paul George gets back as a potential first round opponent, but I mean that's it Kevin that's it. Nothing really happened not not some uh earth shattering moves like what happened out east
1: yeah i I actually think Alexander Walker could be an interesting piece um we've always liked him. we've been fans, I, I think that. If you put him in a good system like that, and I, I don't know if he's going to catch up this year to be worth it, but he has a skill set where he's going to be super useful for them, especially when you lose what it was, angles going out, right? Because of his knee injury that his season's over. Um, so I, I like that one, honestly, just because it adds something extra. Again, you can never have too many guys who can do dribble stuff. Um, yeah. What else was there? The Clippers are. Interesting. I have not paid attention at all to like their injury situation. Um, but they have a lot of wings now. Um, they got Norman Powell, Covington, they got uh who'd they get? Rodney Hood, I think, too. In a separate so, trade. Something like that. Yeah. So like for a Lu, Semi pre- too. don't forget semi. Oh yeah. For for a Ty Lu appreciation guy that I am. Um, he's going to have fun making really weird wing lineups, um, of only like wings, but I don't know, like they're going to be competitive and play good defense. I think because of those moves and I, again, last year watching them play the suns, I'm going to appreciate when they like give golden state or the suns a tough series again, despite whatever their injury situation is. Um, it's so bonus to the Kings. Uh, we even talk about that. I, the Kings or whatever. Have We're fun. Like, uh, um, uh, I, there's nothing
0: more, Kevin. You know this from the history of our podcast. There's nothing more than I hate than a move that predicates a bad move. The <laughs> Kings drafted Davion Mitchell, which we both liked, but they did that. And I heard someone actually say on a podcast the other night, I think it might've been low in marks. Like say something like, yeah, the three guard thing just like didn't work out. And it's like, they created a three guard thing. They did that to themselves. It's like, why Why did they put themselves in a position where one of them becomes expendable all of a sudden? Like, they did that to themselves and made it seem like this ultimatum, maybe? I don't know. Like, they should have done nothing, obviously. But then also the bucks they bring in Grayson Allen just so they don't have to pay Dante DiVincenzo so then they can get rid of Dante DiVincenzo on a on a bad price. Like, they get Sergi Baca back, but uh, uh, keyword back, Kevin, and his actual oh. physical back because oh. he's had back surgery and, like, can't really move that well. And I think it was Nikias who tweeted yesterday for someone who's watched way more Clippers than either of us. He's like, I guess that's a good move for the Bucks if Serge remembers how to play basketball again, which doesn't sound or indicate to me like he's been playing that well this year. And maybe he'll figure it out. And that's a move you look at and you're like, why are they getting Serge Ibaka? And then you see Greg Monroe out on the floor last night. And you're like, oh, yeah. that's why they're getting Serge yeah. Ibaka. <laughs> okay. No, that makes, makes sense. sense now. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a weird one, Kevin, where like the Kings went from, giving Tyrese Halliburton to the team that was in the right place at the right time where they just really want some bonus. So they, they gave Halliburton to the Pacers page Pacers like, Oh, sweet. And then the Kings were like, Oh, uh, or the bucks were like, Oh, we got to get rid of Dante. And the Kings are like, we like Dante. Remember we got him last year. We'll take Dante. You can call us and they get Dante for Marvin Bagley. So uh, that's sweet. Good for, good for the Kings. And nothing else really here, Kevin, that that was that crazy. We don't have to get into the Nets, Sixers, Circus. I think we can talk about them in a couple of weeks. Derek White to the Celtics was interesting. Um, Spurs got, like, a decent haul for that, quite honestly. And I I saw that, like, some Celtics blog, the main Celtics blog, I think, was, like, super upset and called it a travesty that they they (laughs) made that trade, which is funny. Uh, Houston didn't wind up doing anything, Kevin. Like, Kenrich didn't get moved. Rashawn Holmes didn't get moved. A lot of, like, obvious bad team pieces didn't get moved, which was interesting, but... Yeah,
1: on um, top but but it was a really interesting deadline overall. I will say my quick summary is I don't know if the 76ers should have given up that depth, but on the net side, can can Ben Simmons defend Giannis at all? Like at all at all? I uh, don't know, Kevin Durant might have to do everything. i I think that will be fun to see how they use him. That's Isn't Blake say. Griffin the the Giannis stopper for them? Isn't that how it worked in that series? And he did probably okay? should be. I I don't know if Simmons can is big enough, but I would be curious if they tried. But I could be completely wrong and have no idea what I'm talking about.
0: Theoretically, a starting five of Kyrie, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and Blake Griffin, or LaMarcus yeah. Aldridge with Patty Mills and one of those bigs off the bench is like a pretty good. And then if, if Steve Nash decides that Bruce Brown didn't murder his family or whatever happened there where he (laughs) stops playing Bruce Brown, um, (laughs) I like that team a lot. But then you remember that the first guy that I mentioned won't play home games. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. And and then like Harden, it's like, isn't he just going to get pissed at Embiid in the post in four weeks and like not like playing with him anymore and then just meltdown in the fourth
1: quarter of an important game. Like he I, always does.
0: Why I'm, are we taking
1: them seriously? Right. I, I think that's where we should end this. Is what well, we watched last night. Yeah, <laughs> and I love. Like, I love when I watch a basketball game. I'm just like enjoying it. People are complaining about the refs. I get pissed at that kind of stuff. But like, I get offended when I like the last time the Suns played the Lakers, for example. Like, I was offended at what the Lakers were doing because they're so bad. Um, and. I'm just happy that we have two teams, at least in the bucks and sons who are still not being offensive. So I'm, I don't know. Those are the two title favorites. That's where I'm at. Sorry. My title favorite a...
0: case to close out the podcast, three points. Does this team have experience? Does this team have continuity? Does this team have its stuff together? Uh, The Suns, yes, without a doubt. The Warriors, I would argue no on continuity, Kevin, because they're still figuring out the clay thing, how Poole and Wiggins figure out. They're going to bring Wiseman into the fold soon, I believe. Like Draymond still has to come back. They have some continuity things to figure out in the next couple of weeks. I'm not saying that for like right now. I'm just saying it for right now is what I'm saying. I'm not saying for the entirety of history. Memphis, uh, the experience, they don't have it. Uh, Miami, eh, maybe,
1: maybe. Maybe that good. I don't know.
0: I don't know if they're that good, but, like, my three points, I think so. The Bulls, continuity yes. adds their first year together, I don't know. Cleveland, again, experienced my issue. Utah doesn't have it together. Milwaukee is the one where, like, if they just have it together, I think they're there. But that's really it, Kevin. Like, the Sixers do not have it together. Like, they don't. And, and continuity, no. they don't have it either. They have to but see if I, that
1: guy can play basketball and is in basketball shape, and he's,
0: yeah. Let me venture to say, Kevin, the co-favorites right now for the title with the Suns, the Brooklyn Nets don't have it together because they've lost 10 games in a row. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, going down that whole list, it's like, yeah, Memphis, Phoenix, yeah, Golden State, you assume in a month or two, but we'll see. Miami, yeah, maybe, and then the Bucks. Like, that's really it for me. I think it's four teams right now. Well said. I'm there. Hey, thank I'm you, buddy. You. All right, you got to go to your meeting. I've been holding you late for I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll have Tori Craig and Aaron Holiday to talk to and all that fun stuff. We'll bring it to you next week. See ya.